Hey, real quick, I had a major meltdown on the program. It would not do this show. So it's going to be a very unorthodox show because a lot of the sound bites have been ganked out. The whole intro has been ganked out because it just won't process. And because I'm working, I can't fix it. So I apologize. The next show on Friday is going to be audio only. I'm going to go back to audio for a while because it seems like there's something wrong with the video program I'm working with and I can't debug it. So I hate that my first show back in over 17 days is garbage, but it's garbage. Enjoy. Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 3rd of September, year of our Lord, 2021, and I would be more cheery since I haven't done a podcast in damn near three weeks. And for that, I apologize. But that intro and these three weeks have been the toughest I've had in a long time, not only with my new job where I'm working like crazy hours. and Man, I'm out of shape. But how Afghanistan went down it, it's just unconscious unconscionable this whole thing is just you know ben shapiro can sum it up and i'm going to cover just some basic stuff on it we're going to play some media sound bites um i know it's completely out of the after the fact and and i for that i apologize for those that do enjoy the show for going off the grid, it just literally was working 12-hour days for like five days. And then now I've been running a store. When I get home, I'm done. All right, I'm just done. Um, so I haven't been able to go downstairs. And it's my first half day. Uh, work till 1. And then uh, I'll do it again tomorrow. And then full day Sunday. And we'll get into rhythm. So my plan is every Friday going forward now, we're going to do a podcast. And we'll keep up with the world. And then when I get enough employees, we'll do two podcasts because i'll have two days off i can do one on a morning before i go to work and one uh on my off day but thirty-five thousand soldiers have called va for health during this whole process where i wasn't doing a podcast i got an email a day about suicide prevention um it's just unbelievable the whole thing's unbelievable. Everything he said, and we're going to do the key things, has been a lie. Kill lists. Phone calls. I mean, I, I just want to start with this article, and I, I couldn't find sound bites. Um, I thought I found one, and maybe I did. I looked for sound bites. 
Because the general thing is always going to be Trump. Trump. Do we remember Trump? Niger. And, and let me see. Um, Niger. I thought I got a Niger soundbite. I thought I got one and I didn't. But but here's just one article. Because I, I wanted to just once again. Remember, we just went through four years of everything is an impeachable offense. Everything. It doesn't fucking matter what it is. It's impeachable. That's what the media did. And when there was an ambush in, uh, this is October 2017, is Niger's Trump's Benghazi, four U.S. soldiers dead, and it took him 12 days to respond. This guy got all sorts of people killed. Untold civilians have been murdered. Untold Afghans. Not once did I hear it. Drew Holden, how nearly everything the Biden administration has said about Afghanistan has been disastrously long. Debts, taxes, and Drew Holden thread. I don't know the right answer what's going on in Afghanistan, but I knew that nearly everything the Biden administration has said is a lie. First important framing, we know that the rebuild of Afghanistan has been a failure and a fraud for years. Despite that, Biden plowed ahead in his withdrawal plans. He was confident, though, that just last month he rejected the comparison to Saigon. Again, just last month, Biden said the likelihood there's going to be a Taliban overrun and everything is wrong. Today's speech, Biden sounds familiar. It's because it was largely lifted from speech in April. One line that didn't make it in, in this time, the Afghan military will continue to fight valiantly. One of the most consistently wrong people is Anthony Blinken. He said, as the United States begins withdrawing our troops, we'll use our civilian and economic assistance to advance a just and durable peace for Afghanistan. In April, while visiting Afghanistan, Blinken told Afghan President Gandhi, who had since fled the country, that Blinken there to demonstrate literally by our presence that we have an enduring and ongoing commitment to Afghanistan. I'm not sure that one came to pass, but perhaps Blinken's worst prediction was from June when he said the U.S. withdrawal wouldn't lead to some kind of immediate deterioration in the situation. There was a lot of bad predictions about the Taliban. In April, U.S. envoy to Afghanistan Zalmi Zalzid told lawmakers that the new Taliban would behave better. International recognition. The generals, as ever, were also wrong. Speaking in the Senate in June... Austin and Millie said there was medium risk to the Taliban without the capability to take over the country, and they forecasted two years, not less than a week. Millie, at the same testimony, said, I don't see Saigon 75 in Afghanistan. The Taliban just aren't the North Vietnamese army. This particular piece of the New York Times is just a goldmine of bad information. A Biden officials place hope in Taliban desire for legitimacy. Here we got nameless U.S. officials endorsing the theory that Taliban, yes, the Taliban, would be concerned about being an, an international pariah. Experts also believe the Taliban leaders have moderated in the recent years. Uh, what? Speaking of generals, here's Joseph Dunford endorsing the international respect theory that this Afghanistan would temper its violence. Just amazing. As has been the case for the last 20 years, our intel was simply Wrong. 
wrong. Independence give him an F. Everybody gets him an F. And by the time I get here, this is what the media is talking about. And this is huge. The Supreme Court has now broken its silence and is declining to block that incredibly restrictive abortion law in Texas that restricts abortions after about six weeks before most women even know that they are pregnant. And this was sort of the moment everyone was waiting for after they had essentially refused to act the day before. They finally break their silence and they do it in a very short order, just a short paragraph, an unsigned opinion from the court's more conservative wing here, essentially saying you can come back later, but for now, this Texas law stands. The court says, essentially, we don't have any game here because it isn't a federal official who's actually the one in charge of enforcing it. It's these private plaintiffs. We don't have anything to pick up here. And so essentially the court is saying you can come back another day, but for now this law stands, which is essentially incredible uh, doing an in run around Roe in less than a page. Caitlin, this is Donald Trump's legacy. Roe v. Wade is dead. And you say this is Donald Trump's legacy, Arin. Obviously, you're referring to the former president putting three justices on the Supreme Court. Of course, I think that reminds almost everyone about Senator Susan Collins and what she has said about Roe versus Wade. But let's remember what Susan Collins has said she thought the future of it was going to be. That's I do not believe that Brett Kavanaugh will overturn His presidents Roe are overturned. Fever. He noted that Roe had been reaffirmed 19 years later by Planned Parenthood versus Casey and that it was precedent on precedent. He said it should be extremely rare that it be overturned and it should be an example. So you have obviously full confidence. I do. So, Arend, she said that she believed it was settled law. Is Susan Collins wrong? Everybody knew that it was false at the time, and we know that it's false today. Justice Kavanaugh was among the uh, justices. All of the Trump justices voted last night, uh, again, just in a couple of paragraphs, to ban abortion after six weeks. Again, Roe v. Wade and all of the precedent that has built on it has said for almost 50 years that a woman or a pregnant person has a right to end their pregnancy before viability. Last night, the Supreme Court, in a kind of dashed off, passed its deadline uh, order, not even really explaining its reasoning, but just kind of finding this procedural technical excuse, undermined that and made abortion illegal in six weeks. And many providers are now going to either shut their doors or offer very limited service because they cannot risk the kind of bounty hunters, vigilante justice, so no, when, when Justice Kennedy retired, when Donald Trump won, and he promised to appoint justices who uh, he said would... Abortion. Sorry, I even started the show fucked up, man. I'm so out of practice. I didn't look at anything. Sorry. I promise I'll get my head out of my ass. But literally, abortion. That's what we're talking about is abortion. We have moved past this. We just moved past it. These motherfuckers were doing victory parades with our gear. You saw in the intro, uh, basically an arms room on the ground, nods. Everything we have, they have. They say they disassembled stuff. That don't look disassembled. 
That stuff's functional. And when I checked in to look at news on everything but Fox, most of the time, they were comparing normal Americans to the Taliban, which is our jerk-off of the week. Miami politics, the media jerk-off of the week. Here's a point most people don't understand, Joy. When we went out, the Reverend Billy Graham, the evangelist, and Dr. Criswell, who at that time was president of the Southern Baptist Convention, pastor of First Baptist in Dallas, and president of Dallas Theological Seminary, you don't get any more conservative evangelical than that. He was pro-choice, not ambivalent, but pro-choice. Our first job as right-wing activists, and I was my dad's nepotistic sidekick, and I have spent the rest of my life repenting from the fact that I did so much harm to so many people by helping to energize this anti-woman movement. It was not anti-abortion, anti-woman movement. When we went out, evangelicals were the people who wanted no part of this, and we had to talk them into this crusade. And now, fast forward 40 years, And we have a situation in Texas right now tonight where the American Taliban, because that's what it is, there's not an American evangelical right-wing movement, there is an American Taliban, is weirdly similar in so many ways to the Middle Eastern Islamist terrorists. And here's another weird one. Do you know a few years ago, some of the Islamist terrorist activists in Pakistan and other countries were murdering vaccine doctors and nurses who were coming in to try to vaccinate against polio with some mythological conspiracy theories about how this was part of the US government plot. Think about this tonight, Joy. The evangelical voter in Texas who backed Donald Trump. I have a slightly different take on this. I mean, yes, the the sacrifice that's been done over the 20 years has been commendable, but let's keep in mind the sacrifice was not only the men and women who served, including my son and the others that have you've talked to, but the sacrifice of the American public to this. This has been $2 trillion that's been spent on a failed mission uh, that could have been used for people's health care here, that could have been used uh, to fight terrorism here. I, I heard mention that we're worried about a safe haven for terrorists in Afghanistan. Well, we have a safe haven for terrorists in America right now that has grown over the last 10 years and metastasized and resulted in an insurrection in our U.S. Capitol in this. For me today is yes, but the sadness is more over political decisions that have made been made over the last 20 years that allowed us to be in this place where we lost thousands of men and women and we lost trillions of dollars in the midst of this and we're, we're having to leave. And I have to say thank you, President Biden, in this for the first and four presidents to make the hard decisions before it was the easy decisions. It was honestly the easy political decisions to not pull up and not make the decision and not be clear with the American public that this was failed from the start and was no, never going to be successful in this. And it was a hard decision for President Biden to make, but it was the right decision. And in the end, the implementation of the decision, he got out three times as many people evacuated three times as many people as almost every single observer said could be done two weeks ago, three times. 
as many as could be done two, uh, two weeks ago. Yes, there's still work to be done. Yes, there's still people there, but we're out of a war we should have never been in, and we should begin to focus on what the American public focus on, which is all the things that's happening here, not the least of which is the fragile nature of our own democracy that's been under attack here and the rising tide of white terrorists in America. That's the biggest problem we face today. And so I'm glad it's over. I'm glad the last troops came out. I'm happy for it. I'm sad that we were in this place to begin with. But thank God Joe Biden made the tough choices to get this done. Because here, Can you talk a little bit about the, co- the, the complexity of being a Muslim refugee and how their attitude sticks with you? Yeah, I mean, it's also the, the mixed messaging, right? They're trying to find something that sticks so that they can try to, um, you know, put the, the president in bad light, lighting and sort of come after Democrats. We've seen the former president, the man who literally banned Muslims from, from coming to this country, say we should allow for Afghan refugees to come to the United States. You have the man who led us into this war, President Bush, say we should allow for Afghani refugees. And then you've got these crazy people on the right um, doing, you know, what they what they always do uh, with their fear mongering and their hateful rhetoric. Uh, the, the, the reality is, you know, regardless of where you come from, um, immigrants and refugees are highly motivated. They are people who are seeking a better life. Uh, they come to this country, they put their head down. And everybody in every single community has bad apples. Um, but that is not the result of collective failure as refugees or as immigrants when we come to the United States. And I know what some of these people are uh, worried about is that they're worried that refugees like myself, when they come to this country, will outshine them. Um, but uh, that is just their own failure and their inability to, to find success. In- Mega, January 6th. That's what we talk about. Megan, January 6th, they're going to keep it up. I mean, there's moments, New York Times blisters by in Afghanistan, words come back to bite them. Uh, you got stories, five free from Gitmo and Bergdahl exchange that Obama did. Yeah, they're running the show now. Thanks, Obama. Thanks. Good stuff. You guys are fucking fantastic but the majority fbi is still seeking information regarding people who committed violence on january 6th the entire world sends them pictures of the taliban the real problem rooters the fbi has found scant evidence that the january 6th attack at the u.s capitol was a result of an organized plot to overturn the presidential election results some insurrectionist cells of protesters, include followers of the far-right Oath Keepers and Proud Boy group, had aims to break into the Capitol, but the FBI found no evidence that the group had serious plans about what to do if they made it in. That's just our media. I- I'm not even fucking remotely phased by it. I- I'm not phased. It was all lies, just like everything Biden did. Look at that goddamn picture. This motherfucker. We did a whole election about binders full of women. Binders 
full of women. That's the actual body, folks. That, that's a person hanging off a fucking airplane. Because they even said that was doctored. This is him falling asleep in the Prime Minister of Israel. Who his current policies of making Iran rich is going to kill Jews. But, you know, remember, it's you guys. You're the anti-Semites. Not the people beating people up in New York that we don't even put in jail because uh, equity. I'm just going to keep that up. I'm just going to keep that up. A whole election. I have binders full of women so I can get women candidates. I mean, I think the best takedown of all of this, of all of this, and it's it's interconnected with everything, because, you know, I got some ugly in here, and we have plenty of things to cover. Tucker Carlson's monologue last night just, it, it sums up everything. How the left, how the current administration, the Senate, our media are not serious people. All they talk about is woke observation slash theory the slogans they yell the loudest are the ones they believe the least we've been noticing that recently volume is inversely proportional to sincerity maybe you scream it because you don't really believe it why do we think this well here's why the very same people who've told us for decades now that it's my body my choice and seem to mean it when they said it those same people abandoned their own argument immediately when COVID arrived. Suddenly, on a dime, they turned and they were demanding that we wear the mask and get the shot. But these were not optional suggestions. They weren't deeply personal decisions to be made according to the dictates of individual conscience after consulting with family, physicians, and clergy. They weren't between you, your doctor, and God. No, not at all. These were mandates. All of a sudden, Democrats were arguing that actually politicians do get to decide what you do with your body. It's their choice, not yours. Inject these powerful drugs whether you want to or not because we own you. Now, whatever else that is, that is not a pro-choice position, to put it mildly. So as we watched this happen, we wondered, what are these people going to say the next time so-called abortion rights get challenged in court? And now we know the answer. Because last night, the Supreme Court of the United States ruled on a new abortion law in the state of Texas. That decision came down, by the way, 5-4. That's the exact split that decided Roe v. Wade almost 50 years ago. So it's good enough to have meaning. This time, the court upheld a Texas law that effectively bans abortion once a fetal heartbeat is detected. Typically, that's about six weeks into a pregnancy. Now, this new law does not allow the government of Texas to enforce the ban, so no one's going to jail over abortion. Instead, the new law lets citizens sue clinics that commit illegal abortions. So no matter how you feel about abortion, it's kind of hard to argue this is an especially radical law. Intentionally stopping a person's heart from beating is the definition of killing. Government has a right to regulate that. In fact, deciding when it's okay to kill a person is, on the most basic level, the whole reason to have laws in the first place. So whether it's right or wrong or whether you like it or not, it's not a crazy statute. It did, however, drive the media crazy. Here's CBS, quote, news last night. 
It is nearly impossible to get an abortion in Texas. The most restrictive abortion law in the country went into effect after the U.S. Supreme Court declined to act on a request to block it. Abortion providers say Texas has essentially outlawed 85% of abortion procedures, which will force many clinics to close. Amy Hagstrom-Miller runs four clinics providing abortion services and is one of the plaintiffs asking the Supreme Court to intervene. It's heartbreaking to deny them the care that our staff are fully trained um, and, and ready to provide. So really, most people are going to be forced to carry a pregnancy against their will. The law, signed by Republican Governor Greg Abbott, bans abortion once a so-called fetal heartbeat is detected, usually around six weeks. How is an abortion service different from abortion? Why not just call it what it is? But here's the best line from CBS. A so-called fetal heartbeat. Imagine saying something like that out loud. Once they've decided you should die, they won't even admit you have a heartbeat. Do the very worst people in this country go into journalism or does it just seem that way? Anyway, you'll notice that CBS does not make a case for abortion. No, they didn't tell you why it's so important to stop fetal hearts from beating. They just asserted that it is. What they didn't do is say a single word about how this violates your physical autonomy, about how it's your body, your choice. They can't say that now. They're for mandating vaccines and masks. So in that way, over at CBS, they're still a little bit smarter than the protesters you're seeing on your screen right now. These are the people who gathered outside the Texas State Capitol in Austin today. You'll notice that many of them are holding signs affirming their physical autonomy. You can't tell them what to do with their bodies. Politicians, hands off my body. But wait a second. At the very same moment they're declaring their physical autonomy, they're wearing their little obedience masks. And you can bet money all of them are vaccinated. Why? Because they were told to get the shot. So, of course, they obeyed. They don't see the irony here. On the other hand, how could they see it? So few sane people are left with big platforms in this country that you almost never hear a sensible, logical, rational argument about anything. Just hours ago, for example, the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, released this statement, and we're quoting, far from compromising them, vaccine mandates actually further civil liberties. <laughs> you have more civil liberties when they control your body. You can just imagine the 1860s version, far from compromising civil liberties, slavery actually enhances personal freedom. <laughs> it's not even Orwellian at this point. It's post-Orwell. This is uncharted. Things are changing so fast that a lot of people on the left are having trouble keeping up with the shifting justifications for the policies they want. Poor Jen Psaki. Never a genius to begin with. Unintentionally blew herself up today at the White House press briefing. Watch this. Why does the president support abortion when his own Catholic faith teaches abortion is morally wrong? Well, he believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. Why does the president, who does he believe then should look out for the unborn child? He believes that it's up to a woman to make those decisions uh, and up to a woman to make those decisions with her doctor. I know you've never faced those choices, nor have you ever been pregnant, but for women out there who have faced those choices, this is an incredibly difficult thing. Ooh, getting the sophomore year gender studies lecture from Jen Psaki. Here at Wesley and Mr. Man, men go to, don't get to talk about abortion. You ever been pregnant before? I don't think so. You can't get pregnant because you're a man. So abortion is a women's issue. Shut up. They've been saying that for so long they forgot to update the talking points. You'd think Jen Psaki, when she does this for a living, she should know that men get pregnant now. 
The science people tell us that every day. Men get pregnant. It's on the cover of magazines. I think it's on the cover of People magazine right now. A dude who's pregnant. Now, what does that mean? It means that abortion is now a men's issue. Men are child bearers. So men, dudes, have an equal right to choose to terminate their pregnancies. And they have a right to weigh in on the policy itself. It's not a women's issue anymore, Jen Psaki. She may get an outrage call from Congresswoman Cori Bush of St. Louis, who was on this early watch. I sit before you today as a single mom, as a nurse, as an activist, and as a congresswoman, and I am committed to doing the absolute most to protect black mothers, to protect black babies, to protect black birthing people. <laughs> See, Cori Bush is on this. Maybe she should be White House press secretary. She knows it's not a woman's choice. It's a birthing people choice. So how is it an attack on women to ban abortion in Texas? Ugh, that's a tough one. They're not really sure. So on MSNBC, they're not even trying to explain. They just want you to know that if you're for this law in Texas, you're the Taliban. And we have a situation in Texas right now tonight where the American Taliban, because that's what it is, there's not an American evangelical right-wing movement, there is an American Taliban, is weirdly similar in so many ways to the Middle Eastern Islamist terrorists. You, you just feel so sorry for these people. America is, again, changing so fast that, like, people over 16 who aren't on TikTok half the day just can't keep up. There was a time, like, two weeks ago when the Taliban were bad before they were a critical member of the international community who were talking daily with the Secretary of State and the National Security Advisor and waiting for their American aid. The American Taliban? No, that's different. Unfortunately, unlike the Pashtun Taliban, no one in Texas is getting tens of billions in free weapons from Joe Biden. The National Right to Life isn't getting Blackhawks or 360,000 AR-15s. So it's a little different, actually to be the American Taliban, but are the Taliban still bad? No, they're good. We need to update our talking points. But still, this MSNBC anchor, the most fiery in their lineup, wants you to know that if you tell people what to do with their bodies, you're a bad person unless you're Tony Fauci, in which case you're America's doctor and a hero. The whole thing she said reminds her of that book she once read, maybe the only book she's read. Listen. By next summer, we could be living in our own version of The Handmaid's Tale, where forced birth is the law in large sections of the country. You know, and Senator Warren, you know, people think it's hyperbolic uh, when I tweet about The Handmaid's Tale coming to America. But I don't think it seems hyperbolic now, does it to you? No. <laughs> it's like, it's like, the greatest question ever asked. Elizabeth Warren, does this seem hyperbolic to you? Is there anything you can say to Elizabeth Warren where she might reply, yeah, that seems hyperbolic to me. You're going too far there. Slow down a little bit. Rain in your rhetoric. <laughs> but when MSNBC trots out Elizabeth Warren, it doesn't matter what she says. The point is she's there. This is a serious moment. CNN had to top it, and they did. They went farther even than MSNBC. To assess yesterday's court decision on abortion, CNN found a man with personal experience. That would be Jeffrey Tubin.
Now, Tubin is most famous for masturbating on Zoom. That will define his obit, unfortunately. There may not be room for a much more relevant fact, which is Jeffrey Tubin once impregnated a coworker's daughter and then pressured her to get an abortion. He knows this topic cold. Now, she refused. But in the process of pushing her to get an abortion unsuccessfully, Jeffrey Tubin learned what a lot of crappy men have learned over the years, which is this is a great option if you're a married guy who doesn't want to pay for more kids with random women. So Jeffrey Tubin means it when he tells you it's bad to ban it. Watch. Today is the first day that a state could legally ban abortion. And Roe v. Wade essentially does not exist, at least in the state of Texas and probably more in states to come. Texas has banned abortion in the state and the Supreme Court has done nothing about it. That is immensely significant, mostly for the women of Texas. 29 million people in total live in Texas. What does that mean for Roe v. Wade? I said it could effectively end Roe v. Wade. Was that an overstatement? I don't think so. The point of Roe v. Wade is that states cannot ban abortion. It's immensely significant for the women, he mansplains. They've been telling you that for a long time when the truth is every person who lives here knows abortion is the best deal for the men who impregnate, say, the daughters of their coworkers because it allows them to skate without having to deal with the consequences. Abortion makes actual women the ones who until recently were having all the babies before dudes could get pregnant, it makes them feel pretty bad about it. If you ask women, how do you feel about the abortion? Not many feel that great about it at all. People like Jeffrey Tubin feel fine. So it's his prerogative he's defending, but whatever. There he is lecturing us about Roe v. Wade, the sacred 5-4 ruling that invented the right to abortion out of nothing. Now here you have a duly elected state legislature right now in 2021 contradicting the five unelected judges who conduct, concocted the right to abortion back in 1973. And Jeffrey Tubin is suggesting that's an attack on democracy. When elected people contravene the judgment of unelected people who died decades ago. That's what they're telling you. These people can't even hear themselves. But millions of normal Americans do recognize this moment for what it is. It's proof that democracy does still exist. Voters can decide what they want for their communities, their states, their towns, and that courts will at least potentially respect that right. It's called self-government. The legislature in Texas has realized this for months now. They've passed laws banning vaccine passports, homeless encampments, racist struggle sessions in schools, laws that block protests that prevent emergency vehicles from riding down the road, et cetera, et cetera. Laws specific to Texas that the people of Texas want, and a lot of those laws are still on the books. So that's not a bad thing. How is that a bad thing? Why should Texas have to be exactly like California? The problem is, if that kind of thinking goes national, it gravely disempowers the people at CNN and the so-called civil rights organizations that think they're in control of everything. On the other hand, it might actually save civil rights for the rest of us, and that might be a good thing. They're not serious people. And I'm just going to keep looping this the rest of the show. We had whole weeks we talked about a anonymous source saying Trump didn't want to land and see losers in Normandy. He's checking his watch. All he has is to talk about Bo, who served and then died. They didn't die in combat. And the whole left, Sarah, 
Sorry, rah, rah. It is wild watching white Americans freak out about Muslim terrorists while they buy hot dogs and ice cream from white terrorists. No problem with that. What the heck did my son sacrifice his life for? Gold Star Parents watches Afghanistan crumbles. I will cover this more in depth next show. I'm going to read this. I'm going to find sound bites because I've only found one. Defense Secretary Austin, completely stunned when Porter asks, it sounds like you're saying that it depends on diplomacy with the Taliban. That's it. General Milley interrupts, noting that the State Department has sent messages urging people to go to the airport. They're just completely off. They're over their head. Completely over their head. The media didn't even stop. They just kept spinning. Pretty safe to say that the withdrawal from Afghanistan is going really badly. There have been instances of the Taliban beating Americans trying to get to the airport in Kabul. Among the items seized by the Taliban are Black Hawk helicopters and nine Super Chicano attack aircraft, M4 carbines, and M16 rifles, U.S. Humvees, and mine-resistant ambush-protected vehicles. So, yeah, Afghanistan has turned into a bit of a hellscape. But moments like this are useful because they reveal who the true hacks are in the news media. Who's shameless enough to spin this in Biden's favor or to avoid reporting the actual facts because they happen to look bad for the administration? Give up? President Biden stands firm on his decision on Afghanistan, while Republicans pretend that they got everything exactly right for the past four years. The president, for what he was dealt and what he's done over the course of the last week, should be congratulated on the way this was done. He's done an extremely good job in this situation. Joy and the gang are really upset that we're still talking about Afghanistan when we could be discussing, well, pretty much anything else actually. COVID or white supremacy or whatever, as long as it's not Afghanistan. What about the 626,000 Americans who died of COVID because of Donald Trump? 5,000 people while this was going on died of COVID in this country. 500 people died of gun violence in the last week in this country. One of the concerns I have is what this does for recruiting of white nationalist groups. Now let's look at the journalists who are seething at their colleagues for daring to report negatively on this debacle. And the top offender here is Joy Reid, again. For the past three days, the American media gaze has been fixed on Afghanistan. We've heard 24-7 dissections of the thing the Biden administration did or didn't do and all the factors going into the withdrawal of U.S. troops and what it all means for Biden's political future and the future of Afghanistan and of our country. Why does her tone make it sound like that's a bad thing? Joy, that's called reporting. It sure is dramatically different, frankly, from how the country has approached the January 6th insurrection. There it is. Stop reporting on Afghanistan because something, something January 6th. I love it. Never change, Joy. Of course, Brian Stelter also gets an honorable mention in this category, with an assist from his routinely pro-Biden panel. This is exactly what anchors and reporters should be doing, holding the administration accountable. Or has the coverage been out of proportion, out of step with the American public? Matthew Dowd, you would describe the media's coverage this week as what? 
Um, way over the top and unconnected to a perspective on the issue from the beginning. I agree. It's been over the top. It disappoints me that the press is behaving in this way. Then you've got the handful of Democrat faithfuls in the media who are always arguing this could never possibly have gone any better. This was always going to end with the Taliban seizing caches of military weaponry and aircraft. Uh, it's a very, very hard decision. You're sitting in a situation room and you're presented with really, really unpleasant choices. And I think he's made the best choice and he's stood by it. The downside of this going on for very long and then having Donald Trump of pre as president is that he put President Biden in the worst possible position. There's no way to surrender, leave, withdraw, whatever you want to call it, in a war without things getting ugly. Wars end ugly. I hate to break it to folks. This is what it looks like when you get out, when you rip the Band-Aid off. It's not pretty. As they say, when the tide goes out, you can see who's not wearing a bathing suit. In this case, we get to see which so-called journalists are willing to sabotage their own credibility in service of a political goal, even when a bunch of their own very political colleagues refuse to stoop that low. Take note of who these people are, because this is the kind of behavior that's permanently damaging to a journalist's reputation. Or at least it should be. Uh, these citizens in other countries sometimes email me and say, you know, why doesn't the American media just call out Trump for what he is, call Trump fandom for what it is? Sometimes they use the word cult. I know that's a sensitive word. It doesn't come up a lot in American news coverage. So I wanted to put it to an expert, an unfortunate expert. Congresswoman Jackie Speier started out her career in politics, uh, working for a lawmaker. She was on a fact-finding mission to Jonestown. She sadly knows firsthand about the weight of that word, cult. She was able to escape with her life. Others were not able to that day. So I wanted to hear her thoughts um, about the comparison, uh, the notion of the cult of Trump, um, especially in the light of January 6th and the mass delusion that led people to a riot of lies on Capitol Hill. When I brought this up with her, she did not mince words. There's no question that you could compare Jim Jones as a charismatic leader who would bring his congregation together, uh, force them to do things that were illegal, and then took 900 of them into the jungles of Guyana, where over the course of time, he then convinced them that they should die. I've never been able to say they committed suicide because I don't think they were in control of their faculties, to be quite honest with you. So you look at Donald Trump, charismatic leader, who was able to uh, continue to uh, talk in terms that appealed to those who are disaffected, disillusioned, um, and who were looking for something, much like those who became part of Jim Jones's congregation, the People's Temple. Um, they were lost souls. And the only difference between Jim Jones and Donald Trump is the fact that we now have social media. So all these people can mm. find themselves in ways that they couldn't find them. Fucking delusional. Just delusional. Nancy Pelosi. The president is com uh, commended for the clarity of his purpose in his statement on Afghanistan and his action. The Taliban must know the world is watching his actions. We're concerned about reports regarding the Taliban's brutal treatment of all the Afghans, especially women and girls. The U.S., the U.S. community, and the Afghan government must do everything we can to protect women. Women, 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 I don't give a fuck. It's a disaster. We're not going to impeach him for lying. 
blue check. You should definitely post that tweet comparing the Taliban to American Christian. It's fair and reasonable take. It comes at just the right moment in history. Malcolm Nance. Here it's why I'm going to delete this tweet. Today we lost 12 brave Americans and many Afghans. I deeply regret how callous it now sounds. I would never intentionally disrespect my brothers and sisters in arms. I also sincerely apologize to the family and I pray for them. A proud combat veteran whose family has served the U.S. military for 150 years. I spent almost all my adulthood in the defense of our country and its freedom and guarded it with my own life. Yes, I posted this before there was any serious casualties, blah, 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 blah. Finally, finally, finally. We have lost four of our soldiers. The reality is this is terrible. The cost could be greater if we don't complete this mission. For the racist assholes are writing and calling me and nigger, you disgrace their loss another 2,372 of our brothers and sisters. 20 years, FYI, there have been ter- terrorist suicide bomber killing civilian daily in Afghanistan. This ain't new. It's why we are leaving. Deal with it. Blogger Jennifer Rubin. The difficulty is finding Americans. There are 1,000 people who might be Americans who might be seeking to get out. The actual group of Americans wanting to leave is likely smaller. Trump now says he lied when he ran and ending the forever war and would have stayed. How many American lives would have been lost? See, they just spun but Trump. Newsweek. Headlines celebrate Taliban vow to fight terrorists and climate change. Because they said that, of course. CBS blames climate change for the Taliban. How climate change helped strengthen the Taliban. What the actual fuck does that mean? And I started the show with the trooper saying, I'll shoot you. Air Force Academy requires students to watch inclusion training. It promotes BLM. Frank Luntz, he's GOP's best friend, Kevin McCarthy. Every day I think it can't get any worse, it does. These photographs are devastating. Will it have a political impact? Unfortunately, yes, it will. Unfortunately, it will. If this was Trump... That's all I have to keep saying. If this was Trump. Paul Bagala. I love second guessing, a.k.a. learning from mistakes, but I don't expect my president to second guess in the middle of an operation. Adapt to changing circumstances, yes, but Biden's getting static because he won't succumb to the paralysis of analysis. He is Trumpinesque, in my humble opinion. Ron Klain, we evacuated 5,700 people in the past 24 hours. The best military operation in the world is in charge. Okay. You can believe that. I'm playing him checking his watch. He did it numerous times. What did our media said? Fact check. Biden honored service members killed in Kabul, checked watch during ceremony. The claim Donald Trump slew the casket of fallen U.S. servants while Joe Biden checked his watch. Fact check. President Biden did not sleep through meeting with New Israel. Fact check. Biden honored fallen troops. Fact check. Biden checked at least three times. While Biden did pay his respect to fallen service, but in photo and video shoot, he also checked his watch during the ceremony. Social media press taking 10 minutes apart, show him checking his watch. What did WAPO do? 
Uh, he was just looking down. It's not that big a deal. Get over it. Eli Mistall, Eli Mistall, blue blue check fucking piece of shit from the nation. Oh my God, I'm so sick of but what can the Democrats do, people? The court has issued an order that violates separation of powers, and we will not following it. The Democrats. That's something they could do. Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema. This is during all of this. They're still talking about infrastructure. It doesn't matter. Troops died. They don't give a fuck. Suck it up, Buttercup. Jim Garrity takes the MSM to task for so shamelessly turning their attention away from the ongoing crisis in Afghanistan. Mark it down. Thursday, September 2nd is the day that the vast swath of the U.S. national media turned their attention away from the ongoing crisis in Afghanistan and America stranded there. The hurricane damage in New York City area, the Texas abortion law, the continuing effect of the pandemic, and the California wildfires, governor recall race are big stories, no doubt. The lead story at MSDNC this morning was what Jim Jordan phone called Trump on January 6th. And Joe Rogan getting fucking COVID. I can continue. He goes through every major things, every major thing or paper, and they've moved on. They're still talking about January 6th, the real insurrection, not the Taliban, not Biden from Reuters exclusive in the latest call between President Joe Biden, Afghanistan counterpart before the Taliban seized control. Neither Biden nor Ashraf Ghani appeared aware or of or prepared for the immediate danger before Biden collapsed. Biden pressed Gandhi to change perception. We need to make sure the perception is better. He knew that it was falling apart. Ben Dominich, wow. The President of the United States had a call with foreign leaders where POTUS asked the leader to lie on his behalf and promise military assistance if he did as he was told. Do I have that right? Come on, man. That was four or five days ago. Jen Psaki. And much of the call, Biden focused on what he called the Afghan government's perception problem. I need not tell you the perception around the world and its parts of Afghanistan, I believe, is that things are not going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban. And there's a need, whether it's true or not, there's a need to project a different picture. Psaki said she's not going to get into it. Leak call transcripts. Is that the new standard now? Because I seem to remember a different standard a year ago. That's exactly what she said. When it was Trump, it is not just the call transcript. The whistleblower complained, complaint would likely have more details. We need both and not just the call during the impeachment over a phone call That was literally true. Hunter Biden was working with them. They just don't care he killed 13 people. They don't care that Afghanistan's fault. They just don't care. I can do a whole thread of people just losing their shit over the fucking abortion law. But buried deep in some of this was actual journalism, and I'm going to want it. Because these people, especially Engel, a total libtard, 
Well, they stepped up to the plate. I want to get to our senior foreign correspondent, Ian Panel, with us live on the ground in Kabul, where he has been for many days now. And, Ian, I want to get right to something the president was pressed on there uh, from our own Stephanie Ramos, who was there at the White House. She asked about uh, Americans and Afghans who are uh, in Kabul and beyond who are trying to uh, get to that airport. But as you have reported for many nights on World News Tonight, the Taliban controls the checkpoint, the Taliban and convoys around that country. How do you get those families to the airport? The president said he has no intelligence that Americans have been unable to get there. Does that square with reporting on the ground? I mean, just totally not. Uh, I mean, the reaction was, was pretty much one of, of, I mean, it was breathtaking. No indication Americans can't get to the airport. I mean, last night on World News, we had American citizens who had exactly that experience. They tried to get to the airport. They had waived their American passports. The president talked about all they had to do was present their passports and they'd be allowed through. They were beaten by the Taliban. The reality and the rhetoric are miles apart. Uh, I'm not quite sure what, what advice the president's receiving, but the truth on the ground is that, that these people who are in fear of their lives can't get through. People just can't get through those checkpoints. There is no organization, there's just chaos. Yeah, it would seem the president has just simply invited more questions for both him and the White House. This remains very much a disaster, and one of the contributing factors here is when you listen to the president, saying things that simply uh, do not comport with the reality. It, it, the war is over, but of course, the involvement with Afghanistan is not over because, as right. President Biden just acknowledged, there are up to 200 American citizens who want to leave Afghanistan and didn't make it out before uh, the deadline. Uh, you know, I've been told some U.S. citizens report before the deadline uh, were left standing outside the gates. They were unable to get in. Um, how are you going to get those Americans out? And, and what was the reason that some citizens could not get in? Was it entirely because of terrorist threats to uh, Hamid Karzai International Airport? Well, Jake, I think it's really important to answer your question, to start with the fact that we gave 19 messages starting in March to Americans to leave the country. We offered them financial assistance to leave the country. And then for more than two weeks, we gave them specific instructions for how to come. 97% of the people we communicated with got to the airport and got out on planes. There's a variety of reasons for why those remaining folks didn't. Some changed their mind at the last minute. Some wanted to bring very large extended family who uh, were not Americans who couldn't get through checkpoints. Some uh, may have shown up at the airport, although I have to tell you, I'm not familiar, and General McKenzie spoke yesterday and said he was not familiar with anyone being turned away at the gate at the last minute. So I had not heard that particular report. But the fact is that we went out of our way for two full weeks to create the circumstances for any American who wanted to get to the airport and get on a plane to do so. And the question the president ultimately faced was, how long do I keep U.S. Marines in harm's way with threats escalating hour by hour? How many more days do I do that? He ultimately decided it was right to end it and to shift to a diplomatic mission. And we have plenty of leverage with the Taliban to help effectuate the safe passage of any further Americans who want to leave Afghanistan. About 13 days ago, I believe uh, President Biden told ABC News that the U.S. military would stay in Afghanistan past the August 31st date if American citizens who wanted to get out remained in country by. Now, I understand between that pledge and August 31st, there was a horrific terrorist attack that killed 13 American service members, wounded at least 20, and killed scores of innocent Afghans. Is that what changed his mind 
and caused him to go back on that pledge? I think there were two major factors in the president's decision to leave on the 31st. And by the way, that was a decision that was backed up unanimously by every one of his civilian and military advisors, including uh, the commanders on the ground, including... Very little. Very little, but it was there. There were people that took him to task. There were people that blew it up. And I want you to all remember, the media is not going to cover 130 retired generals, admirals, demand resignation from Millie Austin over the disaster. These people know every person I have talked to who wears or has worn the uniform, has said they spend so much time on woke, they no longer cover what we need soldiers to be covering. They just don't. They just don't. John Robb, Afghanistan, 20 years of nation building, 2,312 U.S. soldiers killed, 20K wounded, 2.4 trillion spent, 114,000 for every person in the country, collapsed immediately upon the start of withdrawal. Sean Parnell, to our troops who fought in the Afghan war, you did your job, you did it well, you defeated the enemies of America at every turn. You gave our Afghans a shot of freedom. Be proud of your service because Americans are proud of you. This Afghan debacle is on the suits, not the boots. It's it's very hard to watch this. And from the perspective of my show, it made it even harder. I started on person purpose with Niger. They blamed Trump. What about Maxton Soviak, 22, of the Navy? Kareem Naku, 20, of the Marines. David Lee Espinizo, 20, of the Marines. Riley McCullum, 20, of the Marines. Jared Schmidt, 20-year-old Marine. Hunter Lopez, 20. Dagan Page, Ryan Naus, Darren Taylor Hoover Jr., Joanny Rosario Picardo, 25. 
Humberto Sanchez, 22. Nicole G, 23 years old. And Dylan Morallo, 20. Those are the faces. Those faces the media didn't spend a lot of time on. They didn't care about. And being that I've watched the same media that I cover on this show, blame George Bush for murders, blame George Bush for murders of parents who lost loved ones who burned themselves alive. Do you remember the van? I do. I've been around these 20 years. I served and then I watched. Nobody could ever forecast that these young people would have, wouldn't have died had we left more troops. But I tell you, if we did this whole shindig from Bagram with an infantry brigade surrounding it, tack air, helicopters, Apaches flying around, mortars, artillery, and left a task force to do an actual evacuation, a suicide bomber wouldn't have got that close. Just wouldn't have happened. Did we have bombers at the gate of Bagram? Sure. What about these families? I know they're in the military, and most of them are Latinx, as you guys call them. Do their families count, or are they white supremacist insurrectionists also? Are they the American Taliban? As a vet, I said a prayer for every one of them the moment happened. And as is our tradition on this show from day one, God rest their souls. I'll see you all on the LZ. I'll pray for your families. And we will honor, unlike the media, your falling. It sure would have been covered a different way, wouldn't it? And what does that say? For those who are new to the show, that's my premise. It's always been my premise. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm conservative in some ways, but I'm not GOP, not a Democrat. 
But our media sure is in the tank for one party. And if you haven't figured it out with the transition to Trump and now the transition to Biden, I don't know what planet you're from. This entire debacle from soup to nuts has been the most fucked up shit I've ever seen administration do. And we're just pivoting to climate change, abortion, and infrastructure. And my God, because now the Northeast is underwater. I mean, got a whole bunch of Mississippians, Louisiana's fucked up. Fuck them, redneck pieces of shit. It's a red state. We don't care. Now it's important. We need to fix roads and shit. We will never know how many Afghans get killed, how many American citizens will be killed because of his kill list that he gave them. The media will not dissect. Why is the President of the United States talking about the Taliban like they're good dudes? The very same people that blew shit up, beat women, and throw gays off roofs. No, we're talking about the American Taliban who don't want babies aborted, the law doesn't get enforced by the government, it's enforced by people that can sue people that do abortions after a baby has heartbeat. That's the law. They don't even cover it. No, they're they're the Taliban. January 6th, that's the Taliban. Anybody who voted for Trump, you're the Taliban. If you misgender... You're the Taliban. But Tucker nailed it. You guys talk in circles all fucking day long. It's circular logic. I've always said it. And you're not serious people. You don't mean it. They're just words. You just use it to scare people. But when the real shit happens, you guys fall apart like a fucking folding table. You're not serious people. You can't handle serious shit. And the fall of Afghanistan was serious shit. You can blame Trump. You can spin. You can do all the bullshit I played on this show. It's all bullshit. It's a lie. He's yet to define why the mission's fucked up. He's defining why he left Afghanistan. That's not the question. It's never been the question. The American people want to leave Afghanistan. But clearly, with every poll that's come out, they did not want it to go down like this. They didn't want Americans left. And they sure the fuck didn't want 13 fucking people killed because you let the Taliban run a city that you were offered to run. They were going to give you Kabul. We could have brought in airborne infantry brigades, secured the airport, ran that shit, done an evac properly. And as I fucking criticize Don Rumsfeld with his stupid-ass fucking shit in Afghanistan when we could have killed OBL and Tora Bora and then in Operation Anaconda if he was there, we have fasted with troop strengths because you don't want the body count. Media's dissected that. We've ne- we will never dissect this. But I'm going to do a military corner today because plenty of events got airtime. One of them, as I've said on the show I met, McMaster, yeah, you guys suck. Hey, I want to ask all y'all to forgive my appearance. It's been a long night, as you can imagine. Um getting messages from all over Afghanistan as to what is happening there. Um, I'm really petitioning over you to really pray 
pray for the believers there. There's so much that is going on and so much that is happening. I, we've lost all contact as of about one o'clock this morning due to the fact that if the Taliban finds any Western numbers or contacts in their phones, they will kill them on sight. It is what the Taliban has done before. It is what their modus operandi is whenever they find uh, any believers. All believers in the country will be killed by the Taliban. They are not looking for converts at this point. They're looking for extermination of Christians. And despite what I just watched, the uh, oh, one of the Taliban leaders in Doha uh, just give a, uh, a talk on the BBC. And I'm telling you, these people are full of lies. They have no plan for good for the country of Afghanistan. They only have harm and destruction in their path. And uh, they will implement, they say that they are only uh, implementing uh, basic head coverings for women. It is a lie. Uh, they will they will total institute uh, total covering of all of the women's body and, and for it not to be seen and eliminate women education throughout the country. Uh, this is an evil demonic regime and they are planning on exterminating the second fastest growing church in the planet. Um, this is a, a time where I've had messages all night long from all over people asking and, and uh, pleading for uh, prayer, pleading for intervention from the church here in the West to be praying for them to be holding them up and to pray that the Taliban will fall and that they will not succeed in their plan to eliminate, again, the second fastest growing church in the world. I wanna ask all of you to please ask your churches, every prayer group you know, share my post that we put on. I'm pleading with you to uh, pray. And, and we, we saw it happen in Bamiyan as we petitioned for people to pray that the Taliban would not enter in Bamiyan. They did not enter Bamiyan by the grace of God. And so we need to see them not enter Kabul and to see it stopped and blocked. We also need to pray and uphold our brothers and sisters there who are going through such trauma and in fear of they've already been persecuted so much you have no idea how much they've already been through people that every time when i was just there in january working through so much pain of persecution from family and so um i want to ask you all to please be praying and get everyone that you can uh to pray for afghanistan and for hi i'm nick palmashano and i am tim kennedy and this is BNN. I'm Matt Finney. And I'm Thomas Hunt. This is Perry. Hi. Keep it down, Perry. And this is the Bad News Network. So, Afghanistan, it's going down. This is a mother shit show. I have not seen such a catastrophe and like this in my entire time in the military, which now has been a long time, a while, like 18 years or something, Oof. Yeah. 17, 18. It's been a while yeah. from personnel recovery to hostage rescue to Neo this. Um, I mean, we're talking Saigon level catastrophe mm -hmm. where 10,000 Americans stuck in Afghanistan, um, tens of thousands of Afghanis that worked with Americans 
that are currently there in fear of their lives for the Taliban because the Taliban's gonna do what the Taliban does, which is rape, murder, pillage, destroy, and take everything that they want whenever they want it. And it's it's not just the news that it, you know the news is is always like oh you know they blow things out of proportion. Um, we literally have multiple people that have reached out that are in various parts of the country that are desperately trying to get out and there is no way for us to help them right now never mind the fact that we have an airport that is on the brink of being overrun and we can't even get those people off the runway into the air and we can't get american citizens that are standing right outside inside I mean, it is, it is insane. And look, people like to argue politics about everything, right? I criticized President Trump for four years. I am not a hyper-partisan person. The way that this has been executed by this administration, Tim, you turn around because you, you can't talk about this right now. The way that this has been executed by this administration is embarrassing. The idea that, that is being pushed around right now that we could not have started evacuating people earlier for fear of creating a bad situation is absurd. Do you think this is a bad situation now? We're in a place where we literally have no way of saving American citizens. Our Secretary of Defense said we don't have a way of getting American citizens out of Afghanistan because the plan was to hope that the Taliban didn't do what the Taliban always do. It's unbelievable. Yeah, the, um, I mean, you could ask any one of, of, of my teammates, my colleagues, uh, a question that was asked to the Secretary of Defense and the answer is always gonna be the same. I'm not gonna leave an American behind. I'm not gonna leave a fallen brother behind. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bend earth, time, space, whatever it takes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leverage every single available resource possible to go and protect Americans. Then there's only one way to answer a question about there's 10,000 Americans that are stuck in Afghanistan. What are you gonna do? The answer is I'm gonna do whatever it takes and with every resource that I have to try and return them to American soil. Um, and anybody that tries to interfere with that, whether that be the Taliban, whether that be Al-Qaeda, insert any other radical extremist violent organization, you're gonna reap the full repercussions of American authority and military dominance and power if you mess with Americans, period. That has to be known. Then, I'm gonna go get some Americans. And to be super clear, to be, su <laughs> to be super clear, you know, because a lot of people bring this up, do I think we should continue to fight the war in Afghanistan? That is completely up to the American people. The American people have essentially said, we don't want to be in Afghanistan anymore, right? So this isn't about saying that we need to be in perpetual war, but it is saying that if we're going to do the right thing by our own people and the people that helped us, there had to have been a plan to make sure that these people got out safe, right? We're a lot of people are blaming President Trump for putting together this timeline, you know, six, seven months ago. Well, President Biden has now been president for half a year. If I was handed a plan, I wouldn't just go, oh, I guess I have to follow the plan. You make a new plan. You solve it 
so that American citizens don't end up being killed, slaughtered, murdered, raped in Afghanistan. Yeah. You, you make a plan so that the people that believed in us for the last 20 years put their lives on the line, thousands of which have already been killed, have the opportunity to get out. This, this sends a message to every one of our allies. It sends a message to every one of our partners, um, whether it's Taiwan or Ukraine. Um, what are we going to do as a sovereign nation to protect our allies? Um, this sends the wrong message. We, I, will fight for freedom and I'll fight, follow the orders of my commander-in-chief and uh, the generals above me. Um, you know, all the way down through my chain of command. But there are consequences to the decisions that we make, and those consequences have strategic level negative effects. We have, we, that having a plan where people can look at that plan and be like, America's got our back. America is going to do the right thing by us. Um, and that's an, that's an important thing for everyone to know. Um, so, to all Afghanis out there, I love you guys. We're doing everything that we can to help and support uh, funneling money, uh, assisting in evacuations, uh, personal recovery, non-combatant evacuation. Is it your belief, General, that we should not have left Afghanistan? Absolutely, and I think you can just see that based on, on the tragedy that's unfolding before our eyes. And of course, we're seeing a humanitarian catastrophe, Anthony, but it's worse than that. It's, uh, it's going to affect our security, it's going to affect our reputation in the world, and it's going to strengthen the jihadist terrorists who we went to Afghanistan to defeat after the most devastating terrorist attack in history on September 11th, 2001. Are you suggesting that we should, we should effectively have a permanent force in Afghanistan? Is that your belief? Well, I mean, I'll tell you, Anthony, are, are we still in South Korea, right? We have 30,000 troops in South Korea. We had, you know, we had 3,500, 2,500 troops mo most recently uh, in Afghanistan. But General, I mean, if you look at South Korea, I mean, in Korea, the, the people in control there want us there. The difference in, in, in Afghanistan is that there's a large element of the country that doesn't. You th did you see the images of people running, you know, yeah. in the, next to that C-17 aircraft? Did, did they did they want us there, or did they want the Taliban there? I think this is really a false narrative. We did everything we could to deliver psychological blows to the Afghan government and the armed forces on our way out. I don't know. Do, do you think the Afghan people? Taliban under these conditions? I don't think so. Many of them have accommodated with them because why? They they looked over their shoulders and said, "Who's got our back?" And we said, "Not." I could have shown a lot more. There's plenty out there. I remember the guy from Chicago I talked about two weeks ago. I wonder how he is. He was a good dude. And I know Afghanistan has always been stomped on since the dawn of time, since Genghis Khan. It's a hot mess. But what just happened... There needs to be accountability. And for those that are liberal and just don't care about it because we moved on to TikTok videos and bullshit, just remember, as Trump was treated, all presidents should be treated. Nobody should trust presidents. They should have to explain and be held accountable. Should we impeach him for everything? No. But this president just told a foreign leader to lie so we could pull people out and endanger lives.
I think that trumps Trump. But it won't happen. Next Friday, I will do a podcast. It will be September uh, 10th. That'll be our next show. And I'll bet you as sure as I'm a fat guy, although I'm down to 275, so that's actually 30 pounds. Probably lose more at this job. I don't eat. It's too hot. We will not have Afghanistan. It'll still be abortion, infrastructure, and gender neutralisms. That's what we'll be talking about. We'll have moved on. It's like it just never happened. There'll be no accountability. Mr. White Rage Billy will still have a job. Austin, who lied about everything, will still have a job. No general will be fired except for the guy that got fired. And I didn't play his because you've all seen it on Fox way too goddamn much. And the cool thing about him, he knew he was going to get fired. He did it anyway. His wife's probably pissed if he's married because he was three years from retirement. Not going to go over well because you just lost your pension. But, folks, accountability. There has to be accountability. What just happened is a hot mess. It's not acceptable if you're a Democrat or Republican or Independent. I don't give a shit who you are. That's not acceptable. What just happened is not acceptable. None of it is. Americans died in uniform. Americans are dying now because of the kill list. Afghans are dying. For fuck's sake, the service dogs are dying. And all we had to do is have a plan. You can't blame Trump. He had a plan for May. I'm sure it wouldn't happen because he never got to implement the plan because you blocked the plan. So checkmate. That's not an argument anymore. You don't get a butt Trump when Trump's plan was never even partially implemented. You stopped it. And as a guy who spent, what, seven months, eight months in that shithole? Those people deserve better from us. Specifically when you went on TV and said it would not be Vietnam. It would not be a bloodbath. The Taliban won't take over the country. It's not going to happen. You said all those things. And then it all happened. And you lied repeatedly. And you wouldn't answer why it was fucked up or why the plan didn't work. You wouldn't answer any of that shit. You answered why you made the decision and you stand by it. And then you yelled like I am doing right now as the President of the United States. We've had no mental health checks. We've had no, he doesn't care about troops. If Donald Trump did half of this, there'd be a third impeachment. And if Donald Trump checked his goddamn watch during the ceremony of receiving dead soldiers and flag-draped coffins. My God in heaven, why isn't that the same standard? The man hugged a binder, fell asleep with the prime minister, and checked his watch in the one week. CNN was talking about COVID. Just shame on him. Shame on him. More to follow on some of this. I'm going to get some more sound bites of the family because they get they need to they need to be able to speak. 
This was a clusterfuck that led to the death and loss of their loved one, and they deserve better than to be ignored. And to anybody that's listened that served, don't let this shit get in your head. It got in my head. I was pretty depressed. I was physically destroyed doing this job because I'm totally out of shape, and 12 hours of lifting boxes was just too much. Mm. I was a hurting puppy. But then I realized I did my job. I served with honor. And yeah, the same guys that I fought are now in charge. That's that's a ball buster. But it isn't worth me losing my life at my own hands. Talk to somebody. If you're that bad off and you have nobody to talk about, you fucking email me from my website at foppodcast.com. I'll talk to you. I'll listen all fucking night if it has to. But we don't need any more brothers and sisters killing themselves over suits fucking everything up. They always fuck it up. The generals are too busy trying to get promoted. Uh, Millie, I don't know where he's going to get promoted. To the next pay grade. So they're still going to be doing woke because they know equity is going to be more important in a week because they're just going to move on. So that's not a reason. We've lost friends. And we've lost friends from suicide. It needs to stop. They don't seem to care. So don't let it be something that you care about. Let it go. So I'm wearing a Duck jersey. Ducks play Fresno tomorrow. Ohio State looks beatable. So next week, I'll be talking about that. Packers are going to start playing next week. Martin Truex Jr. is going to start at Darlington this weekend, so rah, rah, rah for that. For me, I'm going to try so damn hard to get you one podcast a week, and I can start doing it because I do half days on Fridays and Saturdays, and two weeks from now, I got a Thursday off. Woo-hoo! And a half Saturday. So those are my two days. I'll be like one and a half day off. That's pretty good instead of one day spread over two days. I promise I'll get back on the mic. It'll be a more organized show. I won't stop in the – I won't start in the ending – picture like i did today so i apologize it's just it was hard to go from zero to five thousand because i'd had a lot of couch time i couldn't walk down the steps for four days to get to this thing the poor wife's been doing all sorts of freaking stuff for me and laundry and making me food and putting lanacane patches on everything but my crotch but i'm better now making a lot of money because of overtime. But I will be here once a week. I want to thank everybody going to the back catalog. I saw all sorts of listens from like, there were 500 listens one day. People were listening to old shows. And the last one I did. So I had a hell of a lot of listens. 1,500 in a week, which is insane. Um, considering I didn't do any shows. That, that's really awesome, so thank you. But I promise new contact will be co- content will be coming once a week, and within a month it'll be twice a week. We'll get a show twice a week. I'll start bitching and moaning on this mic because I had a lot of pent-up anger, and by the time I got here, it's too late because it's all over, and I apologize. So this wraps up another episode of Flower Politic Podcast. Please go to foppodcast.com. You'll find this show and all previous as you saw with links to rumble and soundcloud that was probably a really weird face make sure you disconnect from all your devices if you know a vet reach out and touch them call them text them snail mail them 
Tell them that they count. Tell them what they did wasn't in vain. Doesn't matter. We've now, we're part of the Forgotten War, which was Afghanistan, which was just like Korea. And now we're part of a war that the suits lost, just like Vietnam. But as Vietnam vets and Korean vets will tell you, they never lost the fights. The war was lost by Washington. That's what happened with Afghanistan. We all need just to hold our head up high and know that we did our job when these fucktards didn't do shit except play politics with the loss of life of Americans. Tune in Friday the 10th for our next show. I thank you for listening to this one. You take care. I'll talk to you in one week.